Hello and welcome to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome to our viewers and our listeners on the radio. There's about to be a change of the guard in the Erie County District Attorney's Office, one that will make some history, and that is our topic for today. My guests are Erie County District Attorney Jack Denary and First Assistant DA Elizabeth Hurst. So welcome to both of you. So Jack, you've said somewhat of this publicly, but why is now the time to leave and how hard is it to leave? Uh, well, uh, it's, it is difficult to leave, but at the same time, uh, with Beth becoming the district attorney, it's really not difficult at all. Uh, with her experience uh, in everything in this office that we've been doing over the last uh, umpteen years, uh, no one is, is better suited to take the reins than Beth. In terms of why now, you know, it's one of those um, decisions I think a lot of us are facing, um, 62. Um, I've been in the office for quite some time, 12 years, and looking at uh, what was ahead of me, I thought it was one of those where if I wasn't going to finish the entire four years, which I did make that decision, then the question was, uh, when would I go? And then, of course, uh, would Beth be willing uh, to take the reins because she's certainly able so that was how I reached that so a good manager always has a succession plan right. if you will and right. certainly this is part of that how excited are you about the opportunity very excited I'm honored to be in this position I appreciate the opportunity I've been in this office 18 years I love the office I love the work so to serve in this new capacity I couldn't be happier well let's talk about how crime <clears throat> shifts in the community uh, in many communities, but here in ours. And just talk a little bit about some of those shifts that you've seen, um, Jack, in your tenure here. Particularly disturbing, I think, has been the rise of gun violence among younger and younger victims. And I think the Summit Street um, shooting case um, is, is part of that. All young people involved in that. And then two of the victims, just 16 years old, Elijah Jackson and Shakur Franklin. How challenging and frustrating was that case? Well, very much so. Um, as uh, most anyone following that case knows, there were over uh, 75 to 100 witnesses uh, to the shooting, uh, obviously the victims as well. And the, the uh, information that the police were able to receive was limited and they worked and they worked and they worked on that case as best they could. They put it together um, and we took it into court uh, because frankly, after over a year, the information uh, line was, was dry and the case was not going to get any better. And so we made the decision that it was time to take it into court with the evidence we had, which we still believed was good evidence. Uh, but some things happened during the trial that uh, the outcome was not what what we uh, would have liked. But you're correct, your initial statement, that the um, increase in gun violence among young individuals, and I'm talking less than 18, oftentimes less than 16 years old, has increased uh, dramatically. A few years ago, I went to county council and insisted, uh, and, they, and they agreed, that I needed another juvenile prosecutor because we were seeing that uptick a serious uptick in violence crime, violent crime among those, uh, the youth. And so uh, I would agree that's, that's something very noticeable. And I think the community at large uh, has realized that as well. A couple of other specific cases that came to my <clears throat> mind as I thought about having you on the program here. Um, I remember two 14-year-old homicide defendants, Derry Sanders, who took the life of an 18-year-old for his bicycle. 
And then Hunter Reeser, who ended up, I think, pleading guilty but mentally ill, 14 years old, when he shot his grandmother out in Harbor Creek. What do you have to consider when you're prosecuting cases like this? Well, you know, I'll turn that to Beth on Derry Sanders because she actually did that case, and mm -hmm. that was a lot of, lot of work, but I'll let her explain uh, the challenge with that case. It was a heartbreaking case, the Darius Sanders, um, because it was just so senseless. And he was so young and just, facts are he went up to the victim and he wanted his bike, he wouldn't give his bike and he, and he shot him and killed him right there in front of his, the victim's younger brother. And that was extremely challenging. I remember having that younger brother testify at the preliminary hearing and it was so hard for him to go through that. So looking at that, looking at how we were gonna prosecute the case, putting the family through that, and ultimately it did resolve in a plea um, and Darius, I believe, received 25 years. Your work in the DA's office has often been pretty visible when things do come to trial, especially involved in a lot of sensitive cases, dealing with juveniles, dealing with child abuse. So how critical mm -hmm. is that work? Well, I've done it since 2004. It's a passion of mine. It's, they're difficult cases. They're very challenging because you have such uh, young, vulnerable victims, and we're asking them to go through the trauma again, having to testify. So it's a lot of um, work with the families and a lot of times it's a, a long talks with the parents of what to expect and what's coming. And uh, as a mom, I do always appreciate that and, and let them make the decisions as well as how far they wanna go and, and where they want to um, see the case proceed. But, I am always impressed with the strength of the, of the young ones and their ability to, to go forward. Well, when we come back, we're gonna talk about some new tools and new collaboration in law enforcement here in our community during Jack Denary's tenure. We hope you'll stay with us. Welcome back to The Insider. I'm Lisa Adams. We're talking about a change of leadership in the Erie County District Attorney's Office. My guests again are DA Jack Denary and First Assistant DA Elizabeth Hers, soon to be the first woman to run the DA's office here in the county. So let's talk about some shifts in thinking here in our community. I mean, across <clears throat> the community in so many realms, we're trying to have more communication and collaboration. So the DA's office, it seems to me, has made a mission not to just prosecute criminals, but to try to shape community solutions um, to crime. So uh, Unified Erie and the call-in program and the mayor's uh, SPCP, Strengthening Police and Community Partnerships, uh, are those efforts working? And, um, you know, Jack, how much were you involved in getting them going? And, and Beth, are those things you're going to continue? So let's, let's go. I, I, they're very successful. Uh, and I say that because um, these are data-driven approaches, particularly Unified Erie and the gun violence reduction strategy. So if you look at the data, particularly the number of homicides, gun and gang-related homicides we had in, let's say, 2017, and then you look at when we first did our calling, which was in 2017. From 2017 through, I believe, the end of 2020, zero gang-related homicides uh, committed in, in the county of Erie, in the city of Erie. So that alone is, is evidence that uh, these strategies work. We didn't make them up. We, we looked at what was working across the country, and we brought them here to Erie 
in a very structured fashion. There's a playbook for the call-in. We don't just make stuff up. Um, you, you go in and there's a particular way that you're supposed to do it. It's very structured. So it has uh, shown success. And as far as the strengthening police community partnerships, the SPCP, much credit goes to Mayor Schember for really amping that up uh, with uh, the efforts put forth by City Hall and county um, holders, uh, stakeholders, to go into the community. Um, you know, we hear that the, that the community is begging for some connection and some understanding and some trust in law enforcement. Well, it takes two, and law enforcement and certainly the mayor has been at the helm of uh, demanding that his officers are getting out there into the streets of the city, along with, as I said, other stakeholders, myself and other community leaders, and, and building those bridges uh, or repairing those bridges between the community and law enforcement. So, uh, again, very successful there, and I think the community understands uh, that we're very sincere about what we're doing really also trying to um, build relationships and get kids even interested in doing police mm -hmm. or law enforcement work. So Beth, is that something that you really want to make sure continues? Oh, absolutely. It's very important work and I'm looking forward to maintaining those relationships, building those relationships, building even more um, community relationships. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that opportunity to be out there and meeting these people that have been such a big part of these successful programs. So police body cams uh, were something that was long talked about. They are here now. How important is that tool? How does that change prosecution, maybe complicate the courtroom? This is a, actually, this it's, is you know, it's one of those, I, I think the police uh, were um, very anxious about what might happen once the body cams came into full usage. And now you, to listen to the leaders in the, in the, on the police force, they couldn't be happier because that the notion that um, that often is fostered by misinformation that the police are out there and, and cracking skulls and violating rights and so on. While those incidents certainly make national news and sometimes here even in Erie, uh, people who know know that that is not the norm. And so the body cams actually reinforce that. I believe the police have statistics that's, that show that since the body cams have um, started being used last year sometime, that the number of complaints against the police has dropped dramatically because you no longer can just make a claim and say, well, they violated my rights and they did this because it's all on body cam. So I think it's, it's, uh, it was certainly welcome and it was time that Erie uh, utilized that, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's uh, also a great aid to prosecution because now we have video of the crime, of the activity, of the words that the defendant might have said during the arrest process, which may am amount to an admission. So all of those things bode very well, I think, for the police and for prosecution. We saw in the video there some community cameras as well. I mean, there are more cameras on businesses and also people have their cell phones, so sometimes that works against the police as well, but police use of force is certainly a major question right now, and your office has had to deal with some of these things. Um, in the case of uh, Mr. McLaurin, where we see some officers punch or tackle a suspect, was it right or wrong? And then a case out in the county, Anthony LaCastro, 
um, intoxicated. His wife called for help, but then this gentleman ends up firing at five state police officers and, and your office had to get involved. So mm -hmm. uh, talk about those cases and having to make those decisions about use of force. Well, again, I, I think the what's important about that the people know about the policy for use of force is it is a policy. Um, so the police have the parameters upon uh, within which that they act and escalate their use of force from maybe just hands-on to using a baton to using a taser and then obviously deadly force and using their own weapons. So it's not as if that someone just makes it up. It's, it, there is a policy to be followed, but also within our office, um, we have a protocol to follow when there is an officer involved shooting. So I will, would get a phone call. Next thing you know, I'm down at the barracks. There's investigation that begins. A particular agency undertakes the investigation and things start to track very, in a very organized fashion. Why? Because the public needs to know that the way this incident was investigated um, was done properly, was done by the rule book, uh, and because there'll always be that question that, well, you, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. So it's very important that a, a policy be in place for use of force, but then also from the district attorney's office when we are uh, conducting the investigation or overseeing the investigation, that we too followed our own protocol. Along that same line, big topic here, but I haven't left you a lot of time to talk about it. But the eerie riot that broke out here after uh, a peaceful George Floyd demonstration, was that surprising, a surprising moment to you in law enforcement to see that kind of activity here? And then out of that, of course, uh, came the citizen video of an eerie police officer kicking a young female protester. Your office had to review that case as well. Well, yes, I don't, I don't, I think in some ways it was not a surprise that what we were seeing uh, happen all around the country in the wake of George Floyd could happen in Erie. Uh, we consider ourselves very insulated much of the time, but this, was, this went beyond um, a little problem here in Erie. This was, of course, national, and, it, and rightfully the protests that took place. The riots that took place, however, um, I think were a, a bit of a surprise, but then again, you know, uh, frustration levels were high among the public, um, but nothing, uh, the police never deserved what happened to them down at Perry Square that day with people throwing Molotov cocktails, firing uh, fireworks at the police, the gunfire breaking into businesses. Uh, and so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't surprising, but if, I think if you look at the way that the police handled that, look at the number of people who were involved and look at the number of people who were injured by the police in their response to the rioters, and you would and put that against other cities where rioters were shot, uh, beaten, uh, whatever, and you'll see that Erie uh, law enforcement did a phenomenal job on that night. All right, when we come back, so much more to talk about domestic violence and when criminal activity moves into very public spaces. Stay with us. I'm Lisa Adams. Welcome back again to The Insider. We are talking about a change of leadership at the Erie County DA's office. My guests again, DA Jack Denary and his first assistant DA Elizabeth Hers, soon to be stepping into the job of running that office. 
So a couple of other really shocking local cases <clears throat> came to my mind as I thought over the time that we've been watching you do your job here. And um, because both of them took place in fast food restaurants, I mean, a place where you wouldn't ever expect something like this to happen. So the first one, quite recent really, the murder at the Wendy's in Edinburgh, um, that really ended up kind of being a complicated case of how to track this uh, suspect down, uh, Marquise Lampley, accused of killing Alex Cavanaugh. And it's a case that puts people doing their jobs on an ordinary day in danger. In that case, um, myself and Assistant District Attorney Jessica Rieger uh, had that case. Uh, and you're right, that, that was a case that had so many moving parts. We had videos, we had a police chase. Uh, we had, of course, forensic evidence, DNA, uh, blood, um, and of course we had the testimony of the heroes, the workers in that Wendy's that day who uh, were, had to watch one of their co-workers die right before their eyes. It was, it was horrible. Um, but yes, everyone coming together on that case and the state police and local police working together to put that case um, uh, to bed. That was a that was a great job on their part, and um, and that was a robbery, and that was a murder, and um, Mr. Lampley is where he should be. And then domestic violence that that spills into the workplace as well, and that was the case in that Pizza Hut murder on mm -hmm. East 38th Street. Yeah. Luis Rodriguez fatally shooting his girlfriend Alicia Stahlheim yeah. and injuring her pregnant coworker. Um, are you are you surprised at all by what heroes regular people can be, including a pregnant uh, co-worker? I mean, how challenging uh, for that woman to do what she did that day and then testify in the case as well? Again, uh, really, I'm not I'm not surprised. I, I, and people who live and have been uh, raised here in Erie, I don't think they're surprised either that uh, there would be such heroes amongst us, uh, from Pizza Hut to Wendy's to wherever. Uh, that was uh, one courageous young woman. And to your point, this, unlike the Wendy's case, this was a domestic violence case. This was an incident where there was a, a spurned uh, lover or paramour, uh, and they, he decided that uh, his solution was to take a gun and, and kill someone and injure someone else. And so, again, in, in case the, the community needed to be reminded of just where domestic violence uh, and harm can come to others. It can come not just in your home, uh, not just uh, on the street, but into a, a pizza hut. And Beth, you've worked mm -hmm. with cases a lot involving um, families. I guess maybe mm -hmm. this is a, a reminder to people when they think something wrong is going on to not wait until it escalates to something like this. Absolutely. We really, people need to understand that it, it's better to to do that, and and if you see something, you know, make sure that law enforcement knows or say something. We say that all the time about the kids. We tell the kids, if you see something, you have to say it. You have to let someone know. You're not going to get in trouble for it, because the, the alternate, what happens, um, it's just something I think people just don't want to get involved with. They think it's, they don't want to get in trouble bringing something forward, but you really need to encourage people to do that, and we really. That's one thing in schools that I'm looking forward to is to, to get into the schools and talking to the kids about that. All right, well, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of notable prosecutions for the first assistant district attorney and hear more about her vision for the district attorney's office. Stay with us.
It's all about the district attorney's office today with Jack Denary and Beth Hurd. So Elizabeth, you prosecuted the Christopher LeClaire case, uh, also a very, very public case of this man accused of shooting his wife, Karen, but pretending that she fell off their fishing boat and was missing. So what were the keys to that case? I mean, security camera video there, phone calls. I mean, how important is technology in prosecutions like these days? That video was very key to this prosecution because it, we were able to see on that Saturday when they went out on the boat together, able to see him come back several hours later by himself without her and then go back out the next day on Sunday and go out to the same area and then make the distress call. So the last time we see uh, Karen is on Saturday when she gets on the boat with him in the afternoon and then that's the last time that we see her. So that video was crucial to the case. Obviously, the fact that her body then surfaced certainly yes. made a difference as well. You also successfully re-prosecuted Scott Schrode in the Lila Ebright murder, a very old case. Uh, but this was also a case where people in the community were searching for someone who was really already dead and in a banana box. So being able to keep him behind bars, how important was that to her family? That was extremely important, that case. when I That was for the resentencing for Scott Schroth that I got involved with the case and going through boxes of uh, police reports and letters. It was uh, truly amazing what the community did and how they stepped forward to help this family out um, when she went missing. There were search parties and uh, people coming to the home to do whatever they could. Um, and in fact, unfortunately, Scott was one of those individuals, and that's how, far, how depraved he was that he actually took part in the search, knowing exactly where her body was. So it was such a tragic case, but it was extremely important to the family to get that life sentence. Well, we're down to just the last uh, minute or so here. Um, what are you going to bring to the job as, as a woman, and then are you prepared, I guess, to wage a political campaign to keep that job after you're in it for a while? Oh, I absolutely plan on to <laughs> keeping this job. And um, as a woman, it, it's important to me. I, I'm honored to, to have this job as a woman and hopefully serve as a role model to other young women to um, show them what, can, what they can do with hard work and dedication. Um, I have a daughter and it's very important for me to see that. It, it takes some time, it takes hard work. And it's important for me, for her and for other young people to see the importance of public service that to get out in your community and serve your community and just the rewards that you get from that and so I hope to bring that to the job. Um, I look forward to being, I would like to be in the schools. I really enjoyed that as a juvenile prosecutor. I loved going to the schools. The schools have tremendous programs already regarding bullying, cyberbullying, violence and I would just like to come alongside of them and help them out as much as possible and obviously also keep all the uh, tremendous programs and in initiatives that Jack has started. Well, I've left Jack now 30 seconds to oh, tell us. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> what's next for you? Oh, uh, well. Uh, I know you worked in broadcasting before you went to yeah. law school. Are you coming for my job? Oh, uh, well, if, if, it's, if there's an opening, you never know. But uh, no, there's nothing on the immediate horizon for me. I, I um, it's going to take some time, kick back, and um, yeah, just uh, do some things that I haven't been able to do uh, these past 20 years and, and uh, enjoy. Well, congratulations you, to uh, you for leaving and you for stepping <laughs> in, and thank you both for being with us. As always, thank you for joining us on The Insider. If you have an idea you'd like us to explore, just send me an email and join us again next time for The Insider.